right? We're in Mark. It's our ninth installment in the first chapter of Mark. And we are finishing the first chapter today. Amen? Yes, sir. That's going to be great. Mark is using these stories to show us what Jesus says is true. Amen? Verse 15, he says this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so everything is pointing us to that verse in chapter 1. That is the centerpiece of chapter 1. And so now we get these stories which reinforce that the kingdom of God is here. That we are to respond to Christ, to this good news message by repentance and faith. The time is fulfilled. The king is here to usher in his kingdom. Remember, last week we talked about sickness in detail. And we talk, two weeks ago we talked about sickness in detail. Last week we talked about it, that there will be no m- more sickness in the kingdom of God when we get to the new Jerusalem. There will be no more tormenting of the demonic as the king. He will take back his kingdom and he shows us how he's going to do that. There will be no more disease or pain or suffering as he has the power to make all things new. And we await for his return as the church, the bride of Christ. What do we do? We proclaim the gospel until he comes. But Revelation 21 verse 4 tells us what the kingdom of God will be like. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So remember, we talked about this, that there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more death in the kingdom of God. And when Jesus comes, he's saying, I am going to make all things new. And so when he's healing people, he's giving them a picture of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Casting out the demons from the earth, throwing them into the fiery pit, casting out all sickness and eradicating death. But before this, in Revelation 21, there's a promise, and Erskine sung about this promise, a better day. It's Zion, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is what it says in Revelation 21 too. Sorry, we don't have the the words this morning. We had a lot going on this morning, but we don't have the scriptures on the back. So just hold with me. I'll read it for you. You listen. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The dwelling place of God will now be with man. 
This is the new Jerusalem, the city of God in which man will be allowed into the gates to dwell with the holy God. He will be allowed into the city, into the presence of God, into the holy of holies to dwell with the holy God. You see, this morning we're going to be talking about a leprous man, an unclean man. The idea of a leprous person dwelling in the city with people is preposterous. The idea of a leprous man dwelling in the presence of God in the temple is preposterous. Yet the story we're going to read this morning, the king has authority and a desire to make his people clean. But it will come at a cost. This is the king. The king cleanses his people. So Mark chapter 1 verse 40 Read with me. If you'll stand in honor of reading God's word, we believe that the word of God is active and living, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing into our souls, that we believe that this is the true word of God. Thus we stand when we read it here. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, And kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him. And said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of God this morning. You can be seated. Let's pray as we hear what God speaks to us from his word. Father, we thank you, Father, for your word and your beautiful gospel and the stories of God to remind us that the kingdom of God is here, that our response to this great God And great Savior, Jesus Christ, is to repent and to believe. We pray, Father, for repentance and faith this morning for our people. We pray for renewed hearts and minds, a desire to know this great God, a desire to love this great God that can only be fueled by you and your spirit. Lord, we ask, Father, that you would help us to open our eyes and open our ears to see the truths of the word of God and this story would transform our life and we would be able to tell others about the king who cleanses his people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We took a trip to Mozambique, Africa, it's Eastern Africa in 2017. It was a wild trip, let me tell you, Uh, but one of the greatest times in the gospel I've ever had. Uh, Safety was a big concern. I think we have a, a, a picture there of us in Africa. Yes, that is in 
one of these villages in the mountains. But safety was a big concern for the missionary there. Uh, he was a rough dude, a tough dude. And I can remember we took two land cruisers um, uh, up these mountains to a village like this um, in Mozambique. And one of the land cruisers had a full engine in the back of the land cruiser. And I said to the missionary, maybe we could fit some more stuff in the back if we took this engine out of here. I thought he just said, you know, he kind of had it storing in his, in his back. You know, we had projectors and we had screens for the Jesus film. We had all sorts of gear. And he said to me, he kind of looked at me and he said to me, Rob, if we break down on the side of the road where we're going, there is no AAA to come and service to get us. We're either going to take a part off of this engine to put in the car, or we're going to put the whole engine in the car to get this car home. That's what he said. I, I asked him later, I was like, uh, uh, did, you, did, you, did you know how to do this before you came to Africa? I mean, I guess you're a mechanic or something by trade, right? And he said, um, no, I learned it on YouTube how to do this. So we, so we loaded up with our engine and he had in the other, in the other back of the land cruiser, these huge gas tanks, extra gas. If, in case you ran out, there's no gas stations. So we had our huge, uh, motor, our huge gas tanks, engine, and we had our YouTube trained mechanic and we went up to these villages in the mountains. And he, he, and about halfway, he says, all right, it's time for a pit stop. And uh, he stops the car and we kind of look around. We go, where's the gas station? <laughs> There's no gas station. So we get out of the car to kind of go look for a tree. We have men and women on this trip. So it's just really awkward and and uh, he says, don't go too far from the road. Watch out for the black mambas at this point. And he was dead serious. One of the most deadly snakes in the world. And they slithered 12 miles per hour. So he's like, you better run fast. <laughs> so we take these humanitarian buckets up to this village. And we open these buckets. And through the, the materials in the buckets, we began to tell them the stories of God. So we show them what's in the bucket as we tell the stories of God. And ultimately, so that they can carry water in these buckets. But one house we came to, um, and you can put the other picture up there. I don't know if you saw it yet. But one house we came to is like a little mud hut. Um, the woman that we're speaking to has no hands and no feet. And I start to get a little nervous. It's not my turn to share. One of our ladies is actually sharing uh, with her. Um, you know, I've never been exposed to leprosy before. I knew enough to know that she must be a leper without hands and ha without feet. And, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, can I get this? Am I... Am I going to get leprosy? You know, and, uh, and I'm kind of nervous. Um, and 
so we're sitting on the ground, and, and you can, uh, you, they put it down, but there's like a little bit mud hut, and I, and I get up, I just kind of stand up, and I scrape my hand, and I'm like, okay, this is great. Open wounds, leprous person we're talking to, and then I began just taking in the moment. As one of our people begins to share this story from Mark with a leprous woman in a village in Mozambique. And I remember thinking, wow, the life-changing truth of the gospel is going forth. This lady needs and understands her desperation for the kingdom of God. Do we understand the desperation for the kingdom of God like that? This is my first encounter with a leper. Uh, Then again, later in the week, right? You're thinking, wow, what's going to happen next? We're leaving the ATM machine and and a, a woman who has no hands again comes up to the car and she begins begging at the car with, our missionary who's driving the car and, um, and the team who's inside of the car. And I kind of, uh, you know, kind of standing afar watching this happen, kind of, kind of laughing to myself going, this is, this is interesting. How is the team going to handle this? How is the missionary going to handle this? And so I kind of walked into the car and, um, and I kind of like cracked a joke or something like somebody needs some Clorox wipes to wipe down the handles when you get out or something like that. And, and the team just erupts in laughter. I'm like, what, what are you guys laughing about? Like, what, what's so funny? And they're like, well, she was all over your handles when you just came in. So, <laughs> But leprosy is a terrible disease. It really is. One of the reasons why people lose their hands and the feet is because they get no feeling in their hands and feet. They, They can't feel them, so they end up injuring their hands and feet without even knowing that they're hurt. And in some of the worst cases... Uh, their, their fingers and their toes reabsorb back into their body because their nerve damage is so great. It's, it's really a horrendous disease. Sin has a lot of characteristics of leprosy. You contract a disease like leprosy in this day and age. It led to death. In that disease, you become so numb, you don't even know the harm that you are causing to yourself, just like sin does, only leaving you isolated and alone, ultimately without hope. You see, leprosy is representative of the fallen and broken world filled with sin. Sin wreaks havoc upon people in our community, in our families, even in our church. We're reminded of the need of the kingdom of God. Amen? Leprosy for both the, the leprous and for the sinner, they are declared 
unclean. Lepers in these times in which Jesus does this were outcast, living in leper colonies, just waiting to die in agony, pain, and often just being alone. Yet the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Christ himself cleanses this leper. And the significance is he is able and willing to not only cleanse this leper, but he's able and willing to cleanse the unclean sinner. This is the king cleanses his people. Verse 40. And the leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling to him, If you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. He knows the power of God in Christ Jesus. He knows that Christ has the authority and the ability to make him clean. But he doesn't know if Christ is willing to make him clean. This is our first point this morning. God's people are in need of cleansing. God's people are in need of cleansing. You see, this leper, he knows the rules. He's not allowed to enter into the camp. He's not allowed to enter into the city. He's not allowed to enter into the fellowship. He's not allowed to be with the people of God. And when people come near him, he's supposed to cover his mouth and let them know he is unclean. Some Jewish rabbis say the leper is supposed to stay six feet away. I think it's three feet away, excuse me. Whatever we were doing for COVID, three foot, six foot, I can't remember. But whatever it was, that's what the lepers did. And supposed to, supposed to cover his mouth and yell, unclean, unclean. Leviticus 13, 45, this is the law. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, signifying he's broken. He's torn. And let his hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean unclean he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he shall live alone his dwelling should be outside the camp so the levitical laws are built around the idea of the question of how can a sinful man live in the presence of god How can sinful humanity, broken humanity, live in the holy presence of God? How can God dwell among man? In the tabernacle, eventually the temple, in the city of God, Jerusalem, and then in the people of God, his church. How can that be? How can God dwell among man? 
You see, three chapters before this, in Leviticus chapter 10, Nadab and Abihu, who were sons of Aaron, who were priests, they were in the presence of God, and they sinned in the presence of God, and they were incinerated before God. Fire came from the presence of God and took them out. God in his righteous wrath coming for sinners. He is a just and righteous God. Sin and death go hand in hand. Because the result of sin is death. So in the Old Testament law, anything or anyone that touches death is considered unclean and not able to be in the presence of the Lord. So the skin that is dying, that's coming off the leprous person, is considered unclean. Why? It's death. It's representative of disease and death. Body fluids, bodily fluids coming out of the body, leaving the body, cells are dying, making someone unclean. That's why you read the Levitical laws about body fluids, about skin diseases, about all these things, touching unclean animals, all these things. It's dealing with death in the presence of God in the camp. So in leprosy, we see all of these pictures coming together. Adam and Eve being cast out of the Garden of Eden. Where? Because they were in the presence of God in the Garden. And where are they cast out? They're cast out to die. Why? The tree of life is in the garden. In the presence of God is life. Outside of the presence of God is death. In the camp, in the garden, in the fellowship. These are all these understanding and leprous disease is showing us you are outside. You are a sinner. You are broken. You are diseased. You are unclean. The leprous people are cast out of the gates of the city only to die alone without hope. And this is where we get this leper who comes upon Christ. I think... He comes to Jesus. And this is the proper response to Christ for us, for anyone who wants to be made clean. Their sin washed away. This is the proper response and Mark is showing us what our response should be. He comes to Jesus on his knees. As a sign of humility, asking, urging him, knowing that he can heal him if he wills. You see, this is the posture of salvation. One who knows Christ knows that Christ can save him. And they ask him to do this out of a posture of humility. Let me ask you this question. Do you identify yourself with the leper? As it pertains to your sin in the presence of a holy God. 
Do you feel unclean? Maybe because of what you've done. Or maybe because it's what someone has done to you. You know, Isaiah, in the presence of Almighty God, Isaiah chapter 6, he says, Woe is me, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people unclean. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Do you feel rather unworthy to be in the presence of God? That's sort of what sin does. It is what sin does. The guilt, the shame, that's why Adam and Eve, they, they go and hide and they try and cover themselves. There's shame. The presence of God. And the remarkable point in this story is this leper who feels unclean, he's, he knows he's unclean every day. Everything is reminding him of his uncleanness, his disease, his, his boils, his skin, and his lack of being with his family, his being outside of the camp, his having no hope. Everything is reminding him of his uncleanness. And he says, if you will, make me clean. The remarkable point of the story is Jesus stretches out his hand and he touches the man. Look at it. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. The clean touching the unclean, the kingdom of God has come. The Son of God stretching His arm out to you, the sinner who is drowning in guilt and shame and destruction, and says, I will cleanse you. This is our second point this morning. The King is willing and able to cleanse His people. The King is willing and able to cleanse His people. The response to this man wanting to be cleansed is the shocking realization that Jesus will cleanse him. 1 John 1, 9, a promise of God says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That your sin is washed away? That your disease is now gone? Your guilt, your shame is now removed? Oh, the cleansing of God. That he washes us white as snow. May the gospel, the good news resonate in your hearts this morning. Oh God, you are willing and able to cleanse the sinner. In, in this passage it says, Jesus was moved with pity. I believe that's what's going on here. So I don't, I don't think the, the Bible 
uh, uh, translators have it wrong, but the Greek word here that is used is anger. So it actually reads in the Greek, Jesus is infuriated. He's angry. And as he's angry, he stretches out his hand and he touches him and said to him, I will be clean. Now, is Jesus angry at the man? I mean, why would he touch him and then say, be clean, if he was angry at the man? No, I think he's showing his compassion or pity, which is the translation. So how is Jesus angry? He's angry at the devastating effects of this broken world. Same reason Jesus wept at the funeral of Lazarus. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Why would he weep? He wept because the devastation of disease and sickness and death is overwhelming on this earth. We deal with it every day. It's overwhelming. God in his compassion and his mercy has sent Christ to say... The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news that Jesus is making all things new. Amen? And he's proving what he says by his work when he was on the earth. The Son of God. Willing and able to bring salvation to sinners. You see, the Son of God was willing to come down from heaven to be born in a manger. He was willing to be a suffering servant, despised and rejected by mankind, only to die a death reserved for murderers on the cross. He wasn't only willing, he was able. The perfect, sinless Lamb of God was able to be the perfect sacrifice for sinners. He had the authority and the power to not only heal this man, but to save sinful humanity. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. He upholds the universe by the word of his power and he makes purification for sins. The sinless lamb of God that was slain for you. You see the servant nature, his willingness to lower himself And the power of Christ, his ability to cleanse the sinner is on full display at the cross. Fatherhood and a husband often is a a good example or concept of needing both a willingness and ability to accomplish any task as a father or a husband, right? Right? 
Sometimes I can have the willingness. I can say, kids, I want to take you to Disney World. Yet the ability is lacking. And sometimes the opposite is true. I have the ability to take you to Disney World, but I don't seem willing at this moment. You got to have the willingness and the ability. Jesus was willing to become a suffering servant and he had the ability to pay for sins because he never sinned. So here we go, verse 42. And immediately Jesus says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Immediately. Jesus' spoken word heals this man. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. And to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now it's interesting, this last part, Mark, who describes stories in one sentence, right? We've seen that throughout the text here in Mark. The Twitter version of the Gospels, if you will, is now using three verses to tell us this story. Why? You guessed it, because it's important. He's driving home what you're meant to hear from this story in these three verses. And this is what the last point is. The king cleanses by becoming unclean. The king cleanses by becoming unclean. The man who is considered unclean because of his leprous disease is made clean, but Jesus now is going to be made unclean to cleanse the sinner. Not only does Jesus touch the leper, making him ceremonially unclean according to the law, it's not a sin, but he had to do some ritual purification rites to be made clean again. But Mark wants to show you something. Because the leper doesn't do what Christ asked him to, to not tell everyone, but to go to the priest and make the purification that was according to the law. He's trying to uphold the law. He's trying to tell him to go and do the law. But because the leper doesn't do what Christ asked him to do, Jesus is now the one who is outside the camp. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every place. You see, they switched places. The leper who's outside of the city 
outside of the fellowship, outside of the people of God, is now allowed to come in because he's made clean. After he does his ritual purification, he's able to be made clean. He tells all the people, and now Jesus cannot enter into the city. He is now doing his ministry. Where? In desolate places outside of the camp. This will be significant. Why? Because Jesus will be made unclean through the crucifixion and he will be taken outside of the city of Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gates. In order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Amen? Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. So Jesus went outside of the presence of God, the dwelling place, the city of God, the dwelling place of God, the temple of God so that he could bring us in to the presence of God. That's what he did with this leper. He healed the leper. Now the leper is able to enter into the fellowship. Jesus is no longer able. And then it says, therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. So he's calling us, the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is calling us to go outside of the camp or outside of the church with the good news to share this great and glorious gospel with a city and a world in desperate need of the dwelling presence of God. We are to go outside of the camp to bring people into the camp just as Christ did for us. That is the gospel. You see, they're in need of the dwelling place of God. They're in need to return to the garden. They live outside. They need the Holy Spirit of God. Let me read for you in Revelation 21. And I saw no temple in the city. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it. 
nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing unclean will ever enter through the gates of Zion, the presence of God, the new Jerusalem, the garden of Eden, the place of the tree of life, the dwelling place of God. No one will enter it unclean. And that's why the gospel is so important because the, the, the clean, the righteous Jesus became unclean to cleanse the sinner. Praise God, you who believe upon Christ will enter the city of God because of Christ. The washing and the renewal that comes through the purification of sins by Christ's death upon the cross. You see, Jesus is willing and able to save you. He wants to send his Holy Spirit into your life. To dwell with you. You see, these stories, what we see in our world, are actually pointing us to the hope of the gospel. Some of you in this room are struggling. In this world, with your disease, your pain, your suffering. And hopefully today, we're looking past that. To the hope of eternity in the presence of God. And some of you this morning have never realized, I am unclean in the presence of God. I cannot enter into his presence because of my sin, my shame. And you need to be made clean. And you need to look at how the leper responded and getting on your knees and saying, if you will, you can make me clean. Because you trust in God's work through Christ upon the cross for you. That's what it means to come into the fellowship. That's what it means to come into the body. That's what it means to come into the camp of God, the church, the people of God. Not because we're special, because we're made clean by the blood of Christ. So if you haven't done that this morning, my prayer is is that you would come down to the front this morning, that you would get on your knees in front of a holy God and in front of the people of God and say, I need to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and ask the Lord to cleanse you. And then... We want to baptize you. The proclamation that you are dead and now you live in Christ. Praise the Lord. Maybe some of you may do that this morning. 
I'm going to ask Erskine and the team to come up again, and we're going to respond.